0: Not specialized computers cleaning stuff, I wouldn't put it on your computer (laughs) screen. What is that? Tesco. Yeah, I think maybe Darren misinterpreted the memo that said, you'd better clean your act up if we're going to do a second series. Welcome to Nothing to See Here with Darren and Stephen. A conversation between two quite brilliant minds. The passive-aggressive episode. Let's go thick bleach. Hi. Hello. What was that? silly bang.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And flash and a towel and an apron. Good.
1: Sorry. There's no gag. There's no punchline or gag, by the way. This is not art. You just, I'm just running late.
0: It'd be nice if you'd shaved. (laughs) Wow! (laughs) Darren's had his hair cut. Oh, orange juice as well.
1: Yeah, I'm on a post-holiday detox.
0: Oh, it's like a new man. Exactly. Is that sparkling orange juice? Yes. Is it Tesco? Uh,
1: we're not sponsored by Tesco's. I think we're referring- <laughs> we, could. <laughs> we could be by the end of this episode, <laughs> as you've been flashing <laughs> every time, Every time we try to organise a sponsor, you manage to mess it up. I'm reluctant to name anybody. Are you drinking neat gin? Is that how bad this has got for
0: you? This is Recorder Lay Gig Premium Botanicals Rhubarb Lemon and Mint.
1: Oh my God, that's it's not so
0: very nice. Cool. It's vegan. Of course it is.
1: I bet you got it from what's that planet, whatever it's called. Don't go in there, boycott it. Planet Organic Hollywood, mm. whatever. Oh, why? For the mad people. Uh, define mad? I, I'm not comfortable with this conversation. I'm a mental health professional. What do they're you all off their trolleys. Does the, you mean like they're falling off of their trolleys or what?
0: They're their own little planet organic worlds, and they're extremely irritating. What makes... Tell me about the planet organic irritating world.
1: You're going to have to explain this a little bit more.
0: Well, it's the Muswell Hill crowd that go into planet organic, and you know full well what I'm talking about. I don't. Can you help me out a little bit more? You're very quiet. I'm very quiet? Yeah. Uh,
1: Okay. Um, Maybe I'm... Sorry, as
0: long as it's not his. it doesn't matter. Alright, fuck's sake.
1: Calm down. Drop the fucking attitude. Just because you've had a break, don't start coming back with attitude.
0: A break or a breakdown?
1: Well, what, is there any difference? It
0: could be argued that a breakdown is a break. It's the body, the heart and the soul asking for a break. Um, so judging by your texts over the week, you've had some sort of a breakdown. <laughs> really? Oh, Drink. I know why you're quiet. It's because I haven't got my headphones in. Oh, Grandad, for God's sake. So, where do we start? So, trying to arrange, we've both been away. trying to meet you for a chat over the telephone on Tuesday.
1: Okay.
0: I know Monday is your do not touch day, so I never ever do touchy-feely things with you on Monday. So, I'm pretty full on with clients and uh, <laughs> meetings today, but I'm around 11.30 to 2.30 or after 7.00. So I replied, 11.30, good. I then wait round till, what was it, about three. And then I thought, isn't, well, way past 2.30, I'll have a little lie down. I'll have a little sleep, a bit of a nap because I was tired. And about five minutes after my head hit the pillow, you phoned me. So that lasted about two minutes because then someone else phoned you and you had to go. Uh I don't think I told it. I heard about your holiday. I didn't manage to say anything about mine. And then, don't want to interrupt your evening, but I'm around. Otherwise, bake me a call post 12 o'clock. Now, this was a new thing because I've not baked. This was Tuesday evening, talking about Wednesday. And Wednesday is my baking day. And I haven't baked a call before. So I did ask what the ingredients for baking a call were, uh, as I'll make one tomorrow. And I got... 300 grams of giving a fuck. 299 grams. That's quite tricky. I thought actually you could have just rounded the 299 up to 300. 299 grams of using the phone to dial a number. Bored of my own joke already. So that was really helpful. So um, it all got, it just got a bit hysterical after that. I can't even remember what went on. Um, I'll phone you in the afternoon as you're opening your third bottle of wine. Um, Basically, you say, basically, it's a bottle an hour now, starting at 12. So that was very telling. And I'd managed to work that out, actually, because if I'd rung you at three, you would have been on your third bottle. So I thought <laughs> I did quite well on that one. Um, then asked if it was an alternative baked call, but I never got a real, an answer to that, which is a bit disappointing. You know, in sign language, when you when you do a conversation between two people,
1: you place the person. So you put one person on the left and you put one person on the right. The reason you do this is so that the deaf person can can understand, you know, the, the difference in voices because obviously uh, you can't hear the difference in voices. Of course, hearing people don't need to do placement when they do conversation because they can do different kind of like tone and intonation for the different people involved in the conversation in order to differentiate and make the story a little bit more interesting. Or... They could just read it like they were reading their own obituary when nobody liked them.
0: Yeah. So I'm in meetings till 1.30, So any time after that. Also have a big request, but you help me with something on Zoom instead. But we'll explain, ask properly later. Uh, I seem to have replied one 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 to that. <laughs> what I like. It's a good way of learning. You know, I've, that's something I've learned from you—the one 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 suggestion. When someone sends you a slightly hysterical text, you just type that one, one, one.
1: I think this segment that we've just done could have been interested
0: if if you'd done better acting. Actually, quote, not doing, unquote, (laughs) (laughs) might not be only solution. We'll explain later. So I can't even remember what happened. And then. I seem to remember you didn't ring at 11 30 or whatever or 1 it was all so basically I've just wasted two days waiting for you to phone me can we talk about your passive aggression can we talk about why you bring out passive aggressiveness in me <laughs> I think that's quite a passive aggressive response to my question should we define passive aggressiveness I think passive aggression
1: is I waited hours for your call when actually you know what I told you when I was available, you've got fingers and a phone. You could have just as equally phoned me.
0: But then at the end of the time slot, you're like,
1: you never phoned me.
0: Yeah, because I don't want to phone you if, because I know you're a professional who is working and you'll ring when you've got a spare moment. Um, how was your holiday, Stephen? Uh, shall I tell you about my holiday? I yeah, went. on, please. I'm dying to hear about it
1: again. Uh, I found an aspiring cottage that was aspiring to be middle class in Bordsey, uh, which is very nice on the coast.
0: But the uh, popularity of the listeners in America, I yeah. think we have at least one. Yeah. Could you explain where Bawdsey is?
1: It's in Suffolk, which is uh, not far from Norfolk that uh, Stephen's quite prejudiced about, you all remember. So I'm interested to hear about Stephen's prejudiced and isms around Suffolk as well between Norfolk and Essex, basically. Anyway, I genuinely didn't mean to... I mean, I did intentionally mean to uh, distract away from your holiday. So can we go back to how was your break?
0: No, just carry on. Let's hear about your holiday. No, no, no. It was a cheap joke. You jo- had a cottage. It was a cheap joke. You're waiting for passive-aggressive.
1: I've just... I've told you... I've just given you two very clear examples of passive-aggression. You going, oh, I waited all day for you to phone me. It's like, it's like people who send a text saying, call me.
0: Someone writes, call me, and that's passive-aggressive. Yes.
1: Can you not see why that might be passive-aggressive?
0: You're not actively calling that person. You're passively expecting them to call you. Yes,
1: by aggressively making a statement.
0: I I don't see how that's an aggressive statement.
1: Why would you not pick up the fucking phone and call them?
0: Because it could be all sorts of mitigating circumstances why that's not possible. Really? Like, I no, my friend down the road is having a, a bit of a hard time. Right. We need to speak uh, during the day. We need to speak to each other. So I would say call me because I don't want to call her when she's right in the middle of some thing going on. So it's easier to let her call me. Yeah, except that
1: I, this is also something that really bothers me is this passive aggressive thing that people go, oh, I don't want to call you, I know you're busy, you're working at the moment. No, no, I- no,
0: but this isn't busy, this is serious stuff going on and I really, me phoning in the middle of it is just going to add to stuff already no, going on. But it's such a British nonsense, it's how we leave people
1: alone when they're grieving. It's, it's how we give ourselves an excuse not to feel awkward. So we pretend it's about the other person and we pretend we're caring for the other person. If they need me, they'll give me a call. Actually, do you know what? When people are vulnerable and fragile, they want a bit of attention. They want a bit of love. They want people to step up. And if they don't, they won't answer the phone or they'll say, because actually they're adults and they can manage themselves. But actually, a communication of care is really welcome. But what we do as British people is we avoid because we avoid our own discomfort because we don't like tears, we don't like pain, we don't like all of the darker stuff. So we avoid it and we avoid it under this little pretense that we're looking after the other person when all we're doing is avoiding
0: our our own discomfort at people's difficult feelings. My friendship with this person is secure enough that she knows exactly what I mean. I know what she needs. She knows what she needs. And for me to say, call me, is perfectly valid and helpful to her. Problem I do with, understand what you're saying, and that is true, but in this circumstance, it's not true. The problem with this bit is that
1: you're making a good point. So now I don't know how to respond, so I'm going to eat my sparkly orange
0: juice. No, the okay. other thing I want to get you on with this is this use of the word British, as if the Britons, British Britons, whatever we are, are the only people in the whole world who behave in a certain way. Whereas if you actually bothered to get out and talk to people from other countries, you would find very often they behave very similarly to the way we do.
1: No, nothing. So nothing is always and nothing is never. That's the point. But of course, there's always exceptions. Nothing is is always and nothing is never. Well,
0: I find it interesting that you are you have this bee in your bonnet about being British or other, it's this Londoner's thing. Now, your isms about Londoners who are all appalling and horrible and you hate them, uh, and then it goes into the whole British, you who have these terrible uh, characteristics. So I find it interesting that you're part, of you are sort of a Londoner and you are British. Um, so why that bothers you so much, because you're part of it. I know you bother because you're part of the problem. And also, if you talk to people from other countries, you'll find generally human beings are quite similar. There might be cultural differences, but, uh, and those cultural differences may disguise things. So they might look slightly different from the outside, but dig a bit deeper and we're all quite similar.
1: I have a problem with the cultural personality of Londoners per se. It's a generalization, it's one of yours. It's, it's, this conversation sits much better with you than it does with me. because yeah, it's, Which
0: is why I find it interesting, because I don't know who a Londoner is. Londoners are from all over the world, so I don't yeah. know who you're talking about.
1: No, do you know what? I'm not sure. It's If we re- if we really deconstruct it, I'm not sure it's about Londoners. I think it's about cityers. I think it's about how we've learned to survive in a city. And one of the ways that we've learned to survive in this city, and I think a lot of other cities, is by being cold, by being rude, by being dismissive. And you're right, it's not exclusively London. New York is a really difficult space and city to exist in too. So it isn't exclusively London, perhaps it's a city thing. God, you look
0: so much better with your haircut, I can't tell you.
1: If I gave an iota of a fuck about what you thought, I'd take that as a compliment.
0: <laughs> that was very aggressive
1: yeah that was aggressive aggressive you're very jolly today am i yeah
0: what why what do you mean jolly well in fact you're quite light rather than what angry am i usually angry yeah usually quite angry and aggressive really yeah passive aggressive or aggressive aggressive oh just aggressive okay you're not passive aggressive at all No, I know I'm not, because I'm about the clarity.
1: I'd be really annoyed if anybody ever called me passive-aggressive. That would upset me, because passive-aggression is a type of behaviour that's characterised by indirect resistance to the demands of others and an avoidance of direct confrontation.
0: So can I just write that down? Yeah. Do you want me to say it again for you? And why do you get so wound up in particular about passive-aggressive people?
1: Because I hate inauthenticity, and I hate moist inauthenticity worse than I hate inauthenticity. If you've got something to say, say it. What's the worst that can happen? It goes back to the whole idea about phoning people versus not phoning people. If your friend's grieving, for fuck's sake, get in their face. They will tell you if they don't want you in their face. What they're not going to do, and depression, it's the same thing. And then we get into men and we get into depression and how men relate with each other and how men... this is how people end up committing suicide, because people don't put themselves in each other's faces. They do avoidance of the difficult shit. You know, there was that beautiful mental health campaign a couple of years ago, which was about, like, spotting your friends not being present, so if they weren't at dinner. It was a it was a really lovely campaign where, basically, it was like a picture of mates at dinner and there was somebody missing, and, and the campaign was, was persuading people just to notice if people's friends' behaviours were different. And I, and I think quite often we don't, we don't do that and we don't step up. And again, I think, I think men are really bad for it as well. It's like, because quite often, and I am, I totally own the generalization, but I still think we, we live in a time and an era where we're still babies in terms of men talking about their feelings and being able to express their feelings for about themselves and and for each other. And so I think quite often we don't step up and we don't notice if stuff's going on for people. Uh, And quite often I think there's a narcissism or a solipsism and we make it about ourselves. So when our friends stop returning our calls or our friends behave in a different way, we don't go, oh, maybe they've got stuff going on. We go, oh, this is about me. This is about me. They're not doing enough for me. They're not doing enough for me. And I think we can step into criticism and judgment rather than stepping into curiosity and kind of going, oh, why has. So Stephen used to phone me or text me once or twice a week. Now, all of a sudden he's not. Rather than going, have I done something wrong? Is this something about me? Is this something about us? Just kind of going, oh, I wonder what's going on and then asking the question. Curiosity is one of the most powerful, creative and artistic and beautiful places that we can be as human beings. And I don't think we allow ourselves to be in creativity a lot of the time. And curiosity, for me, curiosity is the most creative way of being in the world. If we were all much more curious, the world would be a better place, but because we would take more interest in the world and we would take more interest in each other, but we don't. So if your friends go quiet, get in their face. If your friend's grieving, get in their face. If your friend's having a hard time, otherwise we get into isolation, we get into loneliness. One of the biggest problems that we have as a society, and it's not a British, all jokes aside, it's, I think it's, but it's quite Western, interestingly, uh, but not exclusively so by any means, is isolation. So much science and writing has shown us that isolation ages people worse than smoking and alcohol. And the opposite is true. People that are involved in community and involved in connection are so much younger than those that aren't, and are so much healthier than those that aren't. But actually... You know, we're, we're we're in a really sad time. But whatever this moment in time is, it's like we're reliving the whole individualistic me culture that Thatcher so beautifully engineered in the 80s. It's like we're doing it again, but we're doing it worse because we should know better. And because we should know better, we're so in denial about what we're doing, we're doing it more aggressively. Whereas actually, this is the time to to reach out and connect with each other.
0: I think it goes back before Thatcherism, a long, long way before Thatcherism, And I think part of it goes back to cities because people have left smaller communities. They've moved away from home. They formed cities, which I think also are going to, uh, we're going to see a stage of evolution in a city now because of the pandemic, which is sort of another subject, but a shock came to the French a few years back when there was a heat wave and they found lots of old people dead because the French all sort of thought they all look after their grandparents. And as it turned out, They don't, as much as they thought. The British seem to, or a lot of people in this country, you know, do go towards London, do go towards big cities. My parents wanted me to do that. They wanted me to live my own life. But come end of life, it got very, very difficult because of the geography. So no matter whose wishes are sort of irrelevant, the practicalities of it were very, very difficult and very stressful. So, But I think, you know, going pre-Thatcher, I think Thatcher came out of the 60s when the 60s became a very was a very, very me, me, me decade and the baby boomers and all that, which I think in turn goes back to the war when people maybe came out of the war. You know, we have this fantasy, I think, that everybody pulled together and I think a lot of people didn't pull together in the war. Um, and then I think people reacted, maybe reacted against the war. The generation after the war who formed the 60s became more individuals. And I think that perhaps knocked on into the 80s and blah-blah-de-blah so I think there's an awful lot of things going on but and I also think that you know you I'm not arguing with you at all but I'm just saying that someone disappears out of your life in London and I just think they're really busy you know we've all we're all in our little bubbles we're all getting on where we were all getting on the tube had our little lives you know I can list all my friends and then I can then you know in about two seconds I can tell you how many I actually have seen regularly or last week or spoke to in the last few days even now in pandemic, I thought we'd all be ringing each other more, but I find people still are, sometimes because they've got families, sometimes because they're at home working 10 hours a day because of the pandemic, we've all sort of, a lot of people are sort of still in their same bubbles and they're still not communicating.
1: But what happened at the beginning was that, certainly for those of us that were doing business, Uh, on Zoom, it's like we were spending a lot of time on Zoom in this new digital world but then everyone else was wanting to schedule stuff on Zoom or whatever the Zoom equivalent was so everything suddenly was becoming scheduled that was never scheduled so friends were saying oh let's have a conversation on Friday, let's do family night on Saturday, let's do whatever, all of a sudden everything was becoming very scheduled and I'm feeling like a demand, I think, and actually, but I don't
0: think that was any more scheduled than saying I'll meet you for drinks on Friday.
1: I think it is. I think it's more of an ask. I've never scheduled personal phone calls in the way that people started asking to schedule personal.
0: Okay, but then if the world's turning upside down around you, then maybe you, the structure of scheduling your family meeting or your friends' meeting or something, is just giving you something a bit more concrete to hang on to.
1: Yeah, no, and I'm not, sorry, I'm not poo-pooing that. As, as I refer you to our pilot episode, uh, Stephen Thompson, I think you were there, although you don't often do good listening. I don't remember that one. No, I know you don't remember anything we do or talk about. Um, I was saying to you, one of the great things that's come out of the uh, pandemic for me is my family Zoom, which I never would have thought I would have said those words out loud, but actually... It's really brought us together. Um, but it's been, it's, no, it's really brought us together. But I think, again, it's like I'm aw- where I was going and maybe I got distracted. Was I'm absolutely aware of people that have got irritated with people for not returning calls or not being available or whatever. And again, it's like, I know that people have been, really been struggling personally, professionally, therapeutically. I see it in all different directions. People have really struggled in terms of being in connection with each other.
0: Sex fact, sex fact. Here's a sex
1: fact. Velvet worms have got their genitalia on their head. Oh,
0: for goodness sake. Okay, so I'm sensing... Uh, l- sensing aggression, little hurt, bit. anger, quite a lot of negative feelings.
1: Yeah. I, I, I want to let you know that I, that I hear your feelings. <laughs> but you're not going to do anything about them. No, do you know what? In our theme of passive aggression, if you'd, said, if you'd asked for what you wanted, I might have delivered it, but you haven't. Instead, you've painted it in a really obscure way. Why don't you... Every week, I tell you, I'm sick of the sex facts. No, you do all of these, you go, oh, that's not funny. Or that's not, you've never said, you've never used the words, I'm sick of the sex facts. Do you know what? It's the fucking highlight of the programme. It's the (laughs) only time you and I are not speaking. It's the strongest part of the hard-fucking episode. It's the only bit of content that we provide.
0: What, you think people are hanging on to the sex facts? I still can't get over the fact your hair's cut. What did you actually do? Did you cut it yourself? Who cut it?
1: My sister, who is a very good hairdresser. That oh, is.
0: bless her heart. Yeah, bless her heart. We haven't had your sister on the show yet, have we? We haven't
1: yet, no. I don't trust you enough to bring my sister onto the show. That was harsh. But it was clear. What it wasn't was passive-aggressive. Because what I could have done was gone, oh, yeah, that'd no, be really nice to get her on the show. We should do that at some point. Actually, what I said was, I don't trust you enough to get her on the show. Because those were my words. What I meant to say that came out of your mouth Yeah. in an those, order those were my mouth words in an order what's doubly ironic is that it's also not true because I actually I would trust you with my life so I, t- I trust you implicitly so there's this has suddenly now become really layered <laughs> please because don't trust I, me with your life no I would That's I would, a burden too much I would trust you with my life and I would trust you with my sister uh, yeah I mean I'm not pimping her out uh, but I'd, if I did pimper out, do you know what? If I was to find a client for my sister, uh, that's the way that my sister and I decided to go to earn a bit of money. You would be the sort of client that I would trust. I mean, I'd take your credit card details before. I'd take payment before. I'd ask for quite a huge
0: deposit. Right, I, would... I don't want to go there. So um, apart from the promotion, the one consistent utility that people apparently love more than anything else, the sex facts came out of the most stressful episode for me. Uh, so every time you play a sex fact, uh, I have to relive that episode. Reliving your trauma. I love it. the trauma. Yeah, without any counselling or support, uh, it's very hurtful.
1: Can we all remind ourselves once more, which is almost what you're engineering in this moment, that this whole process is a free counselling session for you? It is
0: actually. And what's it for you?
1: A masochistic scab picking. Of the worst sort. Big scab, picking it, masochism. But at the same time, there's something really satisfying about picking scabs.
0: Which is what? Well, it's both painful and relieving at the same time, isn't it? I don't know, because I don't pick them. They're the body's healing, so why on earth would you pick a scab? I think
1: you might have gone a bit literal again. Do you remember when we were in the Pies episode? (laughs) You might have gone a bit literal again. I was very clear, by the way. I've listened back to it. I was very clear about what I was talking about. I don't quite understand why. (laughs) Clearly, I'm a vegetarian, by the way. I don't understand how you could have got confused. Just say.
0: Because you said you like meat pies.
1: Shall we do the promote?
0: Are we at that time already, are we? Yeah. Are you bored?
1: No. I'm just changing the subject.
0: Because you're on rocket ground because you don't know what you're talking about. Stephen Thompson, when, Darren Cheek, in
1: any of our 13 episodes, have I not known what I was talking about?
0: There's usually a moment in one of everyone where you've just, you suddenly become aware that you're not quite sure what words are coming out of your mouth.
1: That's an entirely different subject. I'm never aware of what words are coming out of my mouth. You've changed, you've changed, you've gone off on top, you've gone off topic. The shit that comes out of my mouth, I'm never aware of
0: what it is. But you're right, yeah, generally. Is there anything that you don't can't talk about then because you don't know enough about it that you never would talk about it? That sounds very unlikely. Yeah, absolutely, so I think we've answered that question. Yeah, should we do the promotion? <laughs> Genuine
1: promote or indulgent gloat? So it's heads. So it's a genuine promote, and absolutely in keeping in the context of what we've been talking about. Uh, I'd like to promote World Suicide Prevention Day. Uh, It's organised by the International Association for Suicide Prevention, which is otherwise known as the IASP. Uh, The World Health Organisation has been the co-sponsor for the past few years. The purpose of the day is to raise awareness around the globe that suicide can be prevented. Each year has a theme. In past years, over 300 activities in around 70 countries were reported to IASP, including Mm -hmm. educational and commemorative events, press briefings, conferences, as well as obviously they have a massive Facebook and Twitter presence. Um, So yes, so our genuine promote for this week is the World Suicide Prevention Day. Check up on those friends that maybe have gone a bit quiet and or might be behaving a bit strangely or out of character. Just check in and be curious. One of my favorite questions, personally, professionally, therapeutically, is what's the worst that can happen if you say that thing out loud? What's the worst that can happen? Just check in, be curious.
0: Yeah, and you say that to me at the beginning of every single episode and look what happens
1: exactly what's the worst that can happen is we produce 35 minutes of nonsense that's the worst thing. That... going just been for two days no apparently you've only done that twice which i think is quite a success rate yeah we do another one aren't we we're overdue actually
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, i've got some cleaning to do oh yeah so there's there were, that that wasn't the art of cleaning no it is the art
1: it is the art henry thanks hey, sorry Henry's a bit of an attention seeker. Henry. Um, cleaning. How therapeutic is cleaning? No, mm, not really. It's well therapeutic. It's one of my favourite things in the world.
0: But you've got a bit of a problem with it. So, I've, right, okay. So, you're, gonna, not, you're not drilling, you're cleaning?
1: No, I'm cleaning so that then I can do some drilling so that then I can drill again. And then you need to clean up after the drilling? Basically, yeah, exactly. Because I can't drill in a dirty environment.
0: Go on, off you go. See you next week.
1: Thanks. Uh, Actually, no, before I go, can you tell me, you've still not said anything about your holiday? And because I live on my own, I've got, I can't, I need somebody to, I've tasted it to, you know,
0: So we need to take a pause here because a lot of listeners will be picking themselves up off the floor uh, they need to compose themselves again because they've just found out that you live around, which is going to be a real big shock to them really yeah and he's still waiting for a call back from anyone really that was nothing to see here with darren and stephen the passive aggressive episode welcome back You always have to go one better than me, don't you?
1: Obviously, that's the whole construct of this podcast. Why are you pretending that that's a thing? It's like, it's almost like you're pretending to be Arnold Holy. You're going to be like... <laughs> so I am right and you are wrong. I can sing the superior song.
0: Does she have OCD issues? I'm going to say. Does your family have issues?
1: There's, do you know what? There's two very different questions there. Do you want to ask them one at a time? And you live on your own.